What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, July 19th, 2021, and this week's episode, The Return of TJ Dillashaw. We'll be recapping UFC Vegas 31, the lightweight fight between Islam Mahachev and Tiago Moises, and the return of Misha Tate against Marion Renault. We'll be talking about the latest in MMA news, the flyweight title fight in Bellator between Juliana Velasquez and Denise Kelholtz, and the triple header that's been announced for UFC 266 on September 25th. Finally, we'll round out the show talking about this coming uh, weekend's cards. We have the bare-knuckle fight between fan favorites Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostevich, and of course... The title of the show, The Return of TJ Dillashaw in a Bantamweight Bout Against Top Contender Corey Sanhagen. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Welcome back. 14 days in Sin City. How are you feeling? Or what did it shake out to? 14 days, more or less? You know what? Uh, 12. 12. 12. I got there Tuesday before the McGregor fight, and I got back Sunday, yesterday, so... Uh, you know, 12-ish, and, you know, uh, it's kind of like um, you realize what you forgot and what could have made you stay more comfortable when you've done these trips like I have to the same place. Like, I forgot my pillow, and so the oh. pillows I had available were very, very tough, and so, <laughs> you know, like, your neck is a little sore and your ears, you know, it's you, you just feel it, and, it you know, you almost need to stretch them back out and they hurt, so stuff like that, and... You know, you just, everything's always more comfortable when you're in your own place. So I will say that I had a lot of fun. I met a lot of people, talked to a lot of people, saw a lot of great fights. But, you know, as soon as you're home and it wears off, it's like, okay, you know, like I was there long enough. I will say that I got to change the scenery in. So I do. I am feeling a little bit of that glow that they talk about. (laughs) What are you rocking at home? Feather pillow? What's a, I'm, I'm very curious. Just a lot more down that they had available. I mean, I'm not saying that I sink into it, but I, I will say it's, you know, like those, uh, the, it was like a throw pillow that they have with the couch. It's not comfortable. It's just there to look good. Oh yeah. That's tough. Exactly. That's, tough. That's what it was like. So, um, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back on the air with you. Um, let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's do it. Islam Mahachev, I mean, the story of this one, first main event, and would this be the performance that kind of, you know, I think announced him to, let's say, like, the top five, and, you know, he had a, he kind of pushes it off a little bit, but the media really wants to make it the story, and I get it, can he live up to this, the heir apparent, you know, the chosen one by Habib himself to be the new king of the lightweight division, right? And he was up against a tough guy, if more on the smaller name scale in the lightweight division, in Tiago Moises. And really, I think that was the biggest thing, is that Tiago, I felt like he was tough. I felt like, you know, we know he's a guy with tools. I think that that led to a more patient um, approach by Islam. I think that uh, he didn't force a lot. I think he took his time and... You know, he he just made sure position before everything. He didn't put himself really ever in a bad spot where Tiago could really threaten him. Obviously, the only scare really was that, I believe it was late in the second round, maybe, the knee bar attempt. And, 
even then i think islam knew that like i can't just walk out of it but i really felt like he was in a good position he was never going to be you know turned over for that submission to be completed so it was really more tiago had a good hold rather than he was really in this oh my gosh you know he's a second away from tearing the knee so i think that was just it i think islam noticeably bigger uh just the physicality eventually wore down Tiago and Islam, you know, got the finish. And so did not knock my socks off, but I want to give credit. Tiago Moises is a very underrated guy and Islam did what he had to do to really just neutralize him before getting the finish. Yeah, I think it was good for Islam to get a finish because it was going the route of a decision, which for the you know, the pedestal he's being put on by Khabib and where he's trying to get in his career, like, you know, that's fine to win by decision, but you want to do something a little more exciting and emphatic, and he got it done with that rear naked choke, so that was great for him. I never felt like he was really in danger at all. The knee bar, that was a moment, but it kind of you kind of had the feeling he was in control the whole time, choosing to stay on his feet when his corner wanted him to take it to the to the canvas, and then, you know, eventually he, he did... <laughs> obey right but he didn't want to because he didn't feel like he needed to and uh because there wasn't a threat from from Thiago Moises regardless of how talented he is on the ground he didn't feel that that there was anything to worry about so it's almost like he wanted to just practice or show off his stand-up and I think he did a fine job of that but then once it was on the ground it's just so easy that Khabib smash style like there's just muscle upon muscle you know, like on a microscopic level, that they they just have this sneaky strength that that people cannot overcome them. They can't they can't get around the 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 hold. You, you break one hold, and they pull you into another one, and another one, another one. You know, Khabib said it himself, right? I have like uh, you're able to get out of the second and third attempt. Well, I have up to seven, eight, nine, ten of them, and, and that's what you see with Islam too. So um, it was a good, fine performance. And it's going to do well for him. You know, he'll get someone like RDA next, but it's not necessarily, you know, getting the fan base super excited. But that's fine. I mean, it, it could end up just being like Khabib, where like, yeah, maybe all his fights weren't exciting. But when you start looking at the career as a whole, it's like, wait a minute, this guy is like, it's pretty special. And if no one can beat him, then, you know, we got something, we got something Khabib number two on the way here. I will say, I think that um, Charles Oliveira was kind of in that spot too, you know, like really it wasn't until the Kevin Lee fight last year that people were like, oh, you know, like he isn't a top five guy, he's a top three guy and now obviously the number one. Um, I think Islam is kind of there too. It's just there's a lot of action in that top four when you look at them that I think that he's just on that, you know, slow and steady wins the race. What I will say is that, yeah, for the spotlight, I think had he gone out there, smashed Tiago, looked in the camera, said, Justin Gaethje, I'm coming, I think we'd be having a very different conversation today. I will. He mentioned a lot of names. I, I do think that he's on the too far upswing to be targeting Tony Ferguson, who quite simply is on the downswing. Um, RDA... Uh, the one thing about RDA, and I think stylistically it's a great fight, I think it would be a great test for Islam stylistically, is the fact that I almost feel like even Dana himself has kind of 
he, he's kind of locked in RDA as a gatekeeper. Like, RDA isn't necessarily getting fights to propel him back to a title. He's, you know, by Dana's own admission, the guy that they kind of schedule against these top guys to prove, can you be a top contender? I think that's unfair to Islam. I feel like an 8-5 win streak, you don't really need to prove you could be a contender. I think that he's done that work. What I will say is that I think that unless somebody is willing to aim down in that top four, he's getting the RDA fight. And and I, I will say again, he did himself no favors. Like you said, it was a slower-paced fight. I think the fact that because he didn't go out there and necessarily go lights out, I think that it's like, okay, that didn't exactly like galvanize the fan base. Oh my gosh, I really need to see this, blah, blah, blah. It's really more the storyline rather than the inside the cage finish he got. So, I I agree with you, RDA is up there. If I had to pick, I would say Benil Dariush. And I know how that sounds because I think most people would say Benil Dariush is ready for the the Gaethje's and the Chandler's of the lightweight division. But I do think that Benil is that guy who he's looking for a dance partner to propel him into that conversation of a title eliminator. And Islam may not feel like it, but I also think that with Gaethje, you know, Dana just seems to be intent on making Gaethje Chandler. Um, You got Poirier already booked. You've got Oliveira obviously with Poirier. That it really creates a situation where it's like, hey, you know, what are we... Uh, you kind of got to take the best you could get. And I know that may not always feel good, but unless the Gaethje-Chandler fight falls apart, I don't see um, Benil or Islam getting it. Yeah, that that's fair. I like I like Islam-Benil too, but yeah, is it fair too, Benil? Um, no, but you kind of... You're kind of in that number three spot, like he's special and he worked his way up in an impressive way, but he's still not a bigger name than Michael Chandler. And, uh, you know, and then there's Dustin and Charles and Justin Gaethje. So, and, you know, they still got Tony Ferguson ranked fifth. So that's maybe an option, but, you know, I don't want to, that could be like, you know, he never got the Khabib fight. Maybe he could get the Islam fight. I don't know. I know why they say that, but no, you can't do that to Tony. That's kind of what I think too. Like, can you give him someone lower ranked, please? Also, to to be fair, let's say Islam goes out there and just smokes Tony. I mean, how how do you feel about Islam now? It's like, oh well, you beat Tony. No offense, but this isn't 2019 Tony. This is 2021, 2022 Tony. Um. It doesn't do it for him. And certainly, look, I love Tony too, but I do think uh, you know, unanimously you need to see him kind of whatever he's got to address in camp and in his style or whatever, wherever he's at, kind of address that with somebody not on the upswing. And then we could talk about those fights. But right here in this moment, I'd say that uh, two different trajectories for Islam and Tony. Like I said, uh, I get it. If you're Gaethje and Chandler, you're going to try to fight the other guy rather than a Benil or an Islam who, dangerous guy, but not as much upside. You know, if you're Chandler, and let's say Dustin Poirier were to beat Oliveira, let's say you go out there and knock out Justin Gaethje in the first round, you have a case for a title shot. 
maybe that's not the case if you beat a Benil or you beat an Islam. Because yeah, then it's like, true. well, you were ranked far ahead. That's what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So I get the situation that they're all in, but, you know, not to go back around. But yeah, unless that fight falls through, I just don't think they're going to get it. And I think Benil, he's going to wait. I don't think he's going to take a fight with Islam. So I do think Islam gets RDA just by default. Unless they really do push for Benil Islam. So, but yeah, uh, like I said, if Islam gets the finish, suddenly there is more pressure because suddenly it's like if there's anything going wrong with Gaethje or Chandler making that fight, then they're like, look, I got Islam Mahachev ready to throw down. So if you don't want him, then you got to take him or we move on. That didn't happen. So this is where we're at. Okay. Um, Yeah. Anything else to add on the main event? No. Then let's talk about it. One of your favorites. I think that um, I'm, the only thing I'm glad is she never fought Valentina because I can imagine how <laughs> torn your heart would be. Misha Tate comes back and um, slow start. And then she really she gets the fight to the ground. And from there, it was really just a systematic breakdown of Marion Renault. Marion, um, I, I, I want to give it the credit it's due. Last fight of her career, oldest woman on the roster, went out there looking like she was ready to do everything she could. But like I said last week, I think this is always going to be more of a test of the athleticism rather than the skills of Misha. And really just Misha was faster, stronger, um, and her wrestling was just good enough to keep her down and hold her down. Misha, you know, turns it up a bit in the second, third round, it was all systems go and you know, pounds out Marion for the finish. What were your thoughts? I was, you know, bummed out for Marion, but very happy for Misha Tate. I was very impressed by her striking. Um, you know, as compared to to five years ago when she retired, completely improved. Like she 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 fits in now with the you know the current style of female striking in MMA, right? You know, not that wild winging punches. She did that like for a second here and there, but for the most part, she had her hands by her side. She had a nice guard, straight punches, strong with power. And you know, her physique looked great. I was very, very impressed. Like I was so happy too. I was giddy that she was doing well. That her striking really had improved. And and still, it's like okay. You beat Marion Renault, and you look great doing it. You showed ferocity, you, sh- you know, killer instinct, like all these things that you're going to need that you want to show in your comeback and that you're going to need to move up. But I thought, I even said to my husband, I said, look at how well she's doing. But imagine if her opponent right now was Amanda Nunes. She'd be done. Amanda Nunes would land one of those whipping one-twos, knock her down, and then knock her out. Like, you can, it's, Misha Tate, as great as she was, She's not there yet. But look, I actually believe that if she keeps training the way she's training, she'll stand a chance against Nunes. I don't know if she can beat her, but I think she'll stand a chance. And I think if she keeps improving, she can work her way up to get that title shot again. She wants to do it in a year. That's a tall order just because she needs to keep working. And, you know, the way MMA work, uh, you know, stuff gets scheduled, canceled and whatever, and things happen. So it, it may not work out the way she, she desires, but... There's a path there. I don't, I won't deny that. Um, again, she looks great. She looks amazing. I'm very, very happy that, that she has made grand, you know, strides, grand improvements in her striking. That's, 
that's a big deal, man. It's a big deal, regardless of what it means for her future. It's a big deal. So I'm going to break it down into, uh, I don't usually do this. I'm going to state the positives and state the negatives. Um, Biggest positive, she won. That was always going to be the most important thing. Two, uh, physically, she looked fantastic. I mean, uh, you know, they haven't really done a side-by-side like they did with Francis Ngannou, but I'm sure if you look at Misha when she weighed in, probably against Amanda or against Raquel Pennington, and then her weigh-in picture at the, um, you know, on Friday, yeah, she just looked fantastic. And clearly the work she did with Sam Calavita in the gym and diet clearly has paid off. Um, second and thirdly, yes, her technique did look cleaner. Um, she got consistent takedowns. Um, I, I do think she going in, she was always a better wrestler. But um, look, the fact is, after a layoff, she was able to get them. And then striking didn't leave too many openings. You know, she, she kept the openings low. That's always mm-hmm. the thing is that, you know, even if you're not out there setting up shots like Adesanya, you know, your defense, did you keep the amount of punches you're eating lower, that tends to be a good recipe for a wrestler to win. The downside, she was fighting Marion Renault. Yep. I'm not I, I'm not going to harp on it, but look at Marion's age. Look at her resume the last year. This was... If you are going to be talking about a title shot, you know what you are supposed to do to an opponent like Marion. And once again, Marion was tough and... I want to acknowledge that, but I think the fact is, if you're going to be talking about fighting for titles and you're getting somebody who really, I think they were kept on the roster to fight Misha, and I just want you to think about that statement, mm-hmm. I will say that, that that kind of just made me feel like, okay, you know, Amanda Nunes did not see that fight and immediately think, oh, she did not lose sleep. She did not oh, sit there and no. quake in her boots in Florida, and she didn't have to call Nina over and say, you know, Nina, d- do we need a do we need to get to the gym early tomorrow? She did. <laughs> that did not happen on Saturday. Oh and now goodness. you you gave Misha a lot of credit. She, you said, okay, this is a this is not a straight line. This is going to be an uphill, you know, more of a more of a graph, right? Mm-hmm. My one thing about this is that. I looked at, you know, I, I really want to see Misha do well. Because I know now we have this conversation. Okay, that Misha doesn't beat a Amanda Nunes tomorrow. Okay. Do you see her, that Misha who won? And I, I will give her some, uh, there, there's a bit of a, uh, what is it? A margin there. She was coming off a long layoff. But now you talk about, okay, well, who are you going to give her? Irene Aldana, mm-hmm. if Aspen Ladd wins this Saturday, Holly Holm call for it. You know, Jermaine Durandamy isn't going to say no. Does that Misha beat either of those four girls who reasonably are at the top and at the ahead of the division, ahead of her in the division? I can't say with confidence, yes, to either of those, to any of those matchups. What about you? Man, I can't. But as soon as you started laying out, I cannot. As soon as you started laying out the names, Irene Aldana, I was like, oh, I should get, you know, left hook knockout. Uh, Aldana will. Uh, Holly Holm, like, counter-striking. She's, she's still, at her age, faster uh, and smarter with her striking than Misha Tate showed on Saturday. Um, 
and uh, Jermaine Duran to me. I mean, like, yeah, come on, <laughs> give me a break. But Misha Tate, you know, has that, that wrestling, that grappling. And so if she can use it the way Nunez used it to, to neutralize Duran to me, okay, there's, there's an option there. I mean, Holly Holm's not going to let Misha Tate use it on her the way she did in that first matchup when she lost her belt. But, like, Misha Tate still has an advantage, even if she can't outperform these amazing strikers on the feet. In spite of her improvements in striking, she still has a grappling advantage. And so, you know, she has to game plan and keep training. There's a chance with all of these people. There's a chance. But it's definitely one of those things where just hearing you say those those names, I'm like, oof, oof. oof Are you quaking you know? in your boots now? Do you need okay. to call Nina over? I need to call my son <laughs> to give me a hug. Yeah. Uh, no, I won't call Nina over. <laughs> Um, <laughs> on that note, uh, what I will say is that um, now let's talk business. Okay, by the numbers, you know, like like I said, that performance solid. Maybe Amanda Nunes isn't quaking in her boots. Okay, um, she keeps improving. I will say that once again, she is a fantastic breath of fresh air at one thirty-five, and goodness knows one thirty-five. One one thirty-five needs it more than one forty-five. Because 145, I feel like they could cut it tomorrow and we'll survive. Like, yeah. oh, 145 is cut, but Dustin versus Charles this November, Madison Square Garden. You know what we're going to talk about. Um, I will say that I, when you look at business and I think about Amanda, I think about, okay, yes, you could talk about Irene, you could talk about Aspen, but... If Amanda truly feels after Juliana Pena, I've already, I don't need to prove anything. Like like Aspen and Irena, they're not number two in line. They're not number three in line. I'm talking, you know, I have to, I'm already fighting number five in line, right? Like Juliana, yeah. uh, you know, uh, yeah, um, we're going to break it down soon enough. But I could see Amanda saying, you know what? I just want a money fight. Give me Misha. You know what? Let me prove it. This lady was gone five years. I took her title then. I've done all this back then. She came back and I'm still better. I think that, you know what? You could do that. Or, you know, uh, I spoke with Phoenix Carnivale, the longtime LFA, uh, you know, post yeah, fight yeah, interview. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and she brought something up. I could see Amanda saying, you know what? I've swept the board. Let me just fight Valentina one more time and call it a day. What more do I have to prove? You know, pull a Habib. And I'm not going to lie. I I think that if Amanda does what we think she might do to Juliana, or she could do, I I can't say that Amanda Nunes, oh yeah, give me the number five, number six, the... Uh, and respectfully, I don't know where Irene and Aspen are right now. I know Aspen's been gone a while. Um, Irene was taking a big leap when she fought Holly last year. It, it's like uh, I can see a scenario where I don't know if Amanda would necessarily be interested in any of them. But I will say I, if, she, if it's just about making money now, she could say, you know what? How popular is Misha still? Give me Misha. She was the biggest, uh, I would argue she was the most popular fighter last week. Um, 
uh, UFC really was front and center. Everything was following Misha on top of Islam and Tiago. It seemed like more so just because, and that might be the language barrier thing, respectfully, but I felt like all week it's like, oh, you know, the return of Misha Tate, the return of Misha Tate. So I think that that's just all food for thought. Yeah, you know, those are exciting um, considerations, you know, what Amanda is going to want to do with her career. How long um, does she have left? Does she want to stay at the top? Because she's already, yeah, she's already run the uh, run through everybody. So why fight the randomly again? Why fight Holly Holm again? She's going to fight Juliana Pena. Yeah, she could do a Renee Aldana and Aspen Ladd, but... She's already fought much bigger names. Yeah, you're right. So she wants to go out with a bang. She could do Misha Tate and Valentina in a year or just pick one. <laughs> I really thought you were about to say Misha and Valentina on the same night. I'm like, oh, damn. No. <laughs> Natalie no, with the fire. <laughs> no, maybe she can't fight Valentina and then go fight somebody. I can't break. <laughs> Valentina's going to beat her this time, officially. Um, but, but yeah, so so that's... That is interesting uh, sort of, you know, conversation to throw into the mixer with Misha Tate. Um, I didn't think about that. You know, Misha Tate's a big name and um, Amanda Nunes might want to just capitalize on that, make her payday, her pay-per-view points a little bit higher because people are going to want to see Misha Tate. But if I'm Misha Tate, man, I don't take that fight anytime soon. Like, you got to really prepare and... You know, if she wants to be champion by the end of the year, by the, you know, in 12 months, I should say, um, okay, don't take the fight with Nunes anytime sooner than that because you just, come on, man, that's not fair to that's not fair to Misha Tate. That that would, you know, she she needs the time, she needs the time. All right, that's fair. I'll give you that. Um, lovely to see Misha back. She was great with everybody, and um, I do want to point this out that I think that women's MMA just as a whole is much more fun having her involved and being around. I think she's a great ambassador and, you know, look, she still brought it and she still brought that kind of heart that I think really made her very beloved and, um, you know, for the last decade. So it's all, she's just a great character to have back plain and simple. Yeah, man. Like she's a really, really big star. Right. And like, it must've been cool to see like the, the buzz in the air. It's like, Misha's here. Misha's in the room. It must have been. It must have been pretty thrilling, right? I mean, it was one of those things. Like I wasn't doing events, you know, when Misha was around. So the fact that it's like, oh, I finally did get to cover a Misha Tate fight and be a part of a Misha Tate media day. It's like, oh, well, you know, I do remember tuning in to watch her fight Ronda, and I do remember sitting and as a fan just watching Ultimate Fighter, and then it's like, oh snap, yeah. you know, my clip is getting played on ESPN. Cool. Oh, did it? Nice. Uh, on ESP, like social media channels. I wasn't on Sports Center, but you know. Bro, don't like, diminish it, happen. man. Come on now. Stuff's happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, to a lot of good stuff. Uh, Billy Q and my mm. dude Gabriel Benitez. I just want you to know, I'm still proud of you, Gabriel. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Billy Q had a fun one. Rodolfo Vieira, um, obviously one of the. Top jiu-jitsu guys, slick submission. Mat- I know, I, I say Matus, I think it's got more of an accent, but Gamrot and that, oh, that ugly Kimura on Jeremy Stevens early. So there were quite a, you know, people got their feel of the violence on Saturday, you know what yeah, I mean? indeed, indeed. 
Yeah, so good stuff there. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Friday night, uh, flyweight title. Juliana Velasquez taking on Denise Kelholtz. Juliana, if you haven't kept up with it, 12-fight win streak. The one who handed Alima her first L. Beat Alejandra Lara. Beat Christina Williams. Beat essentially all the relevant flyweights in Bellator. And now she's looking to make her first title defense against their... I guess still reigning, but she hasn't fought in a while. So former Bellator kickboxing champion. And you know what, uh, Natalie? That one was a close one. Um, I, it was really a case of uh, Denise was throwing more. I think that she held her own being the shorter fighter and tried to use her physicality. She's just a shorter, stockier woman. And, you know, she just made sure that there was fire always coming at Juliana. Juliana, to her credit you know, slipped a lot, she countered a lot, she just had the more impactful shots, and you saw it in the end, Denise was the one, you know, face swollen, couple bruises, Juliana doesn't really look like she took a lot of damage, that fight could have gone either way, I'm not gonna lie, I saw it, and I'm like, I've seen much, I feel like less close fights go the way of the fighter who was in Denise's position, um, but in the end, Juliana gets the split decision victory. She improves, I think, to 13-0 now. Um, you know what? I, I gotta ask this. Has Juliana done everything she needs to in Bellator? I mean, most likely she fights Liz Carmouche, who had the first-round knockout, but I feel like she's one win away from saying, you know what? Not only did I beat everybody, most of them weren't really competition. What about you? Yeah, that's fair. And then, and then, do you think? Are you saying that she's gonna, to for her to to retire it to try to go to a different promotion? Like, is she at the end of her deal or something? Or are you just? Uh, I'm spitballing because really, I think to me, it's like, like we talk. We're gonna talk about AJ McKee coming up, right? And it's yeah. like I think Juliana, she's on like a seven or eight fight win streak in Bellator, and respectfully, there's just not as many women in the divisions as there are the men's divisions. Yeah, and she's I, like lapping, lapping, lapping the competition, right? Like, what's next? I don't, yes. I don't know. It's this, a tricky one. <laughs> exactly. Like, look, she beats Liz Carmouche. It's like, well, rematch Alima. Okay, yeah. respectfully, I think she handled business pretty handedly, less than you know, just seven months ago, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Alejandro Lara, or you know, Kanawadnabe coming off a loss. It's like, um. You know, uh, it's a short list. You could definitely run the Denise fight back. I even wouldn't be surprised if they do, if she gets by Liz later this year or early next year. But I, I just, um, I just don't see much left for her. And you know, I think even people are bringing it up. It's like, well, what about like? Do you think you could beat a Valentina? Like, you're on this run. You're in the. You're at the crest of your career right now in Bellator. I just think it's food for thought there too. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. Her 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 fighting skills are impressive. The jab is really good. Counter striking. So there's a lot there, and obviously she's like I said, she's lapping everybody. So it's kind of tough when you're in a division that's thin, and you're like that good. Valentina sort of has the same problem, but 
Sort of. It's well, she has the same <laughs> okay. problem, except it doesn't feel like she has a more people. She has more people. I'll be honest. Yeah, there's there's more. You know, the the conveyor belt is longer, and there are more people. You know, standing on the <laughs> uh, me. on the feeder, um, and so and like she doesn't. I say she doesn't care, but like to her, it's like this is my division, and I will beat anyone that comes before me, and the end, and that's it. I'm you not do. trying to go chase anybody chase anything she kind of treats it like uh, this is my job i i need a clock into work kick some butt and yeah. clock out and you know it's like well what if you lose what <laughs> excuse I me do... what like what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> anyway more and more that she is a russian spy just gonna throw <laughs> throw that out there the more and more i think about it you think and when i look knows? at those instagram videos where she's just dancing <laughs> She did sexy a, music. She did a meet and greet. She was all being normal. I saw the of videos. She, that's the point. Double G. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, but, I'm just kidding. What I will say, you know, to, to get to the point, because we're about to talk about Valentina right now, but, um, I mean, you tell me Juliana versus a Caitlin Chukagian, maybe a Jessica Andrade, Jennifer Maya. You know I mean, what? If there's, if there's a way. I, I, see, I, I could see her winning fights like that. I'll just be honest. When she's on, she's very talented, tall, strong, judo background, you know, solid base and grappling. I don't hate it. You know what I mean? I don't hate it. So. She's very strong and she's got uh, more of a killer attitude than like a Chikagian. So even if you could say they're matched, on, even if just to say they're matched on the feet, then you have to say, okay, why are they not matched? Well, in like fight spirit. And so, yeah, she has a lot of advantages if she were to, to somehow find her way uh, over to the UFC. I think it's time to talk about some fun. I think because <laughs> we, we, you already, I could tell you found a way to really harp on Valentina. So let's get into it. Uh, UFC 266 on September 25th. Uh, okay, UFC has kind of been back. I mean, we've been back with fans. We've been back with Vegas. We've been back in Vegas with Conor McGregor and a press conference and yada, yada, yada. But September 25th, I think, is officially the there's no turning back now. It's going to be International Fight Week. So the UFC is doing T-Mobile Arena, Triple Header, the Hall of Fame, and not for nothing, I'll put my money on it. They had the World MMA Awards that same week, too. So, and they announced it. It is officially going to have a triple header. On Tuesday, they said that the September 25th card is going to be headline Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. So, obviously, featherweight title. Right now, they're on tough. Right now, Ortega actually leads Alex's team on the Ultimate Fighter. Four wins to three. Co-main event. Valentina Shevchenko, she's going to be looking for title defense number six against Lauren Murphy, who goes in on a 5-5 win streak. And then the one that we talked about last week, Nick Diaz is back, and it is confirmed his rematch with Robbie Lawler will be a five-rounder. And now on top of this, not everyone is on the pay-per-view, but other notable fights, you got the return of Tatiana Suarez against Roxanne Modafferi. Uh, Curtis Blades versus Jarzinho Rosenstrike, two highly ranked heavyweights. And then you're going to have Jessica Andrade, recently fought for the title, taking on Cynthia Calvillo. Natalie, I, I just love it. And if I'm being quite honest with you, I think when I you look at the fights, very just well-balanced 
pay-per-view. I think that competitively, storyline-wise, you have so many ingredients from top to bottom that just, you know, when you talk about the little stuff leading up to the big fights, I love this card. What about you? Yeah, man, this card is rich, dude. Like, it's just, you know, obviously knowing what it was, but hearing you talk about it, getting extra fired up. I've taken care of my son literally every day of his life since he was born, 19 months now. And I'm thinking, like, I need to find a baby. I need to find a babysitter <laughs> so I can watch this from the beginning to the end in one sitting, right? Um, but, but yeah, this is this That's is what your exciting. husband is for. <laughs> yes, yes, that's true. But he's, he'll probably want to watch, too. So okay. <laughs> we need someone else. Hey, but, um, sacrifices must be made. <laughs> I know, sacrifices. Um, yeah. This is great. This is great. Uh, Volkanovski Ortega. Okay, like that alone. It, that's one of those fights that I always tell you is like the way boxing pay per views work, where you just buy a boxing pay per view for the main fight, and the other ones are just sort of there to have on in the background while your friends eat, you know, hot wings and you drink beer. Alexander Vol- uh, Volkanovski Brian Ortega. That's kind of one of those fights. But then you're like, wait, we got Shevchenko too. Now with Shevchenko, it almost doesn't matter who she's fighting these days, right? You just want to see her win in a in a spectacular way you just want to see her perform yeah you just want to see how is she going to defeat her opponent this time another crucifix head kick what's she going to do and then you want to see the dance at the end right like that's that's just kind of how it is like like mike tyson you tune in for the spectacular win and then come on now you know uh nick diaz robbie lawler the fact that they made it five rounds that's kind of where i want to stop right there because that's very interesting Five rounds, no title on the line, of course. The first fight was three rounds. Do you think they did this because it's just like we want to give these guys who are older and still love to brawl as much time as they need? Uh, if they want to take a fight, if they want to make a five-round roar, let's let them let them do it. Why do you think they went with five rounds here? I think the same reason they wanted. Well, actually, I know they said Nate wanted five rounds for Leon Edwards. I think that the promotion agreed for the same reason that they did with Nate and Leon is that if you have a star like a Nate or a Nick, you kind of want people to feel like, oh, well, what if we do get five rounds in Nick Diaz, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. It's not just, oh, well, they asked for it. No, I do think that it's honestly just like fans will feel like they're getting more of their money's worth going in if they know this is a five rounder. So I think that that's the mentality behind it you know and Robbie Lawler's been in two of the greatest five round wars ever in UFC history so I mean um, if you break it down I mean he had like a good two and a half three years where he was in like nothing like all of them could be like the top five best welterweight fights of all time I mean yeah five rounds of Hendrix twice five rounds of Carlos five rounds with Rory. Rory. Uh, I feel like a, five rounds of Matt Brown. <laughs> I mean, it was that, that dude was just like delivering violence every six months. It was beautiful. Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, but um, uh, what I like about that is I feel like Robbie Lawler's a tough guy to finish striking, right? Uh-huh. I don't know where how good this fight could be because of his skid and because of how long it's been for Nick what I will say is I'll be honest I don't care because compared to Nate versus Leon I do think win or lose they're gonna both go out on their shield which leads to my most important question Natalie 
did you see Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz one yet? <laughs> what are you talking about? Do I see it yet? I, I'm a long time MMA fan, and I've I've seen the Don't fight lie to just people. right. No, no, I did. I did finally watch it. Um, yeah, man. It wasn't <laughs> was it beautiful. Crazy. It was beautiful. It was like two dudes in a bar that just got really pissed at each other and started fighting, and then someone wrapped a cage around them, and and that was it. And then, so <laughs> it was really awesome, though the 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 back and forth, like the. the in the I think it was round one. Diaz lands like a one-two, and like Robbie's head just like snaps back, and then immediately as his head returns, he's like pissed off, and he's like pumping his hands like "Let's go," you know. Uh, it was incredible. Yeah, that's that's something else. So expectations are high, right? Would you say? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, credit. I mean, seventeen years since the first one. I think is the number we're saying. I mean. That's just ridiculous. And the fact that people still are expecting fireworks, reasonably so, I think that says just about everything you need to know about them. Yep. Um, uh, we'll dissect that a lot. I mean, that's not too far away. And so my just crossed fingers that it goes. Like I said, uh, anytime you get to see Shevchenko, just like the highest level of martial arts, I feel like in the women's division, just yeah. like. Her ability, just her ability to do anything, you know, you want to see just control of the distance and the dexterity, just the multifacetedness that's there. And uh, Lauren Murphy's, uh, you know, going to be going out there. This is the fight of her life. And I'm, I'm sure she's going to treat it as such and come out as such. And then Ortega Volkanovsky, I mean, how good is Alex? I think they said he's like 70 fight win streak. It's up there. He's approaching 20 fights in a row. Um, this dude, I, I get it. Max Holloway is beloved. Max Holloway got swag. This guy might be the best featherweight out there. That's how good Alex Volkanovsky is. And he's taken on Brian Ortega 2.0. Um, short hair. New look. <laughs> new girlfriend. You know, I'm sure the fans... Yeah. That... that uh, they posted their picture and I was like, I can hear the hearts breaking. <laughs> People are like, I looked at it, it's like, oh, I got to see the comments. And I was like, oh boy, I did not know how, you don't know how many Tracy Cortez fans there are until you see the, the comments of that post. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's funny. You're right. So it, it, the fact is, it's a great fight stylistically and like I said, the undercard, just leading up to it, there's so much good stuff in between that it, it, there's just a lot to enjoy about it. So um, my question before we move on, it's all about a pay-per-view, right? And we're coming off a big, very successful one with Conor Poirier. How do you feel about the triple header as a set? Because at the end of the day, that's what fans are paying for, right? I mean, yes, there's Curtis, I believe. He's on the pay-per-view. I don't know who's their fifth fight, but... How do you feel about, okay, like, if I'm throwing my money down, there's some group, there's some groupings that sometimes they just don't attract like others. How do you feel about these three fights as a set? This is actually a really, really strong set where you, you, you can say pretty confidently, barring some kind of catastrophic failure like a leg break, like we've seen a lot recently, barring anything like that, with these three matchups, you really, really are getting your money's worth, right? Diaz, Lawler, another one of those that people would have paid for the pay-per-view just to see them fight. Shevchenko, doesn't matter who she fights. It's just Shevchenko's on the card. Let's see what she can do. 
and then like supremely talented Volkanovski versus much improved where you didn't even think there was room for improvement, Brian Ortega. So this is worth, you know, it'd be nice if it was $45.99 instead of $69.99 or something like that, but it's definitely worth the money for sure. I mean, you could make that one argument about everything like the Guaca Chipotle. I wish I, it was just... You know, 40, oh 49 instead of one ninety nine. But the spoon is pretty big, though. They they give you a lot. It so is. <laughs> um, and what I like about it is that I, I will say this: Brian Ortega, I think, is the X factor, and I'll tell you why. Because I think that Alex, respectfully, he's kind of always benefited from being paired up with Max Holloway on these cards. That it's like, okay, you know, we haven't really seen how much can he draw by himself. I do believe Brian Ortega brings in as the B-side, and I think he brings in his own crowd, to be honest, still. Um, people see that Modelo commercial a lot. <laughs> I do think he's the X-Factor. I think that Nick is going to carry the show. I think that Valentina adds views. But I think that those people, it's like, oh, Brian Ortega. And, you know, Volkan. oh, and he's up against, ooh, Volkanovski. You know, they saw him fight Max, right? Yeah, I think that's just like, okay, you know, if those two can bring in their own numbers too, I think you got a pay-per-view. I think you got a very, I don't, it's hard to outperform Conor McGregor, but I think if these all six of these individuals start talking, maybe, maybe just because Dustin and Conor was kind of just by itself. But this one is the one that's like, hey, if everyone gets chirping, I think that. MMA fans just already are going to be at a fever pitch. So I'm looking yeah, they forward to it. They should make a poster like Friends, you know, like the show Friends, where all six of the people fighting uh, are like on the street in like tuxedos and gowns. You know, I think that would be a great, I think that's, that should be the poster for the fight. Honest to God, I love that idea. <laughs> I, like I just pictured it in my mind and I'm like, shit, I need a tweet. Hey, tweet Boss Logic right now. We got... Yeah, Boss Logic, man. You should do it. That guy, Dosbrock, you know, with the old school, the comic, you know, I like his work. Yeah, let's, let's do something different, right? We need to write this down. Go ahead, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you tweet Boss Logic. Oh, thank you so much. But yeah, <laughs> anyway, I think, um, just, I think it's going to deliver. And I think that it's a healthy amount of time following Connor. So I think that that helps in terms of sales, too. Um, before we get to this Saturday and the return of TJ Dillashaw, uh, let's make a pit stop. And I believe they're in Miami again. Paige Van Zant versus Rachel Ostovich. Bare knuckle. So I want to... I think here's what I find interesting. First off, I will say I think this is one of those fights. It really doesn't matter who wins or who loses. Because, you know, bare knuckle, they just signed and now they have Pearl Gonzalez too. They have Beck Rawlings. I noticed that these four women have something in common. I just can't put my finger on it. But you see it too? I mean, I feel like they're known for posting certain stuff on the internet that, I don't know, gets a lot of attention. I think they're really into cats. I think that's what you're thinking Is that about. it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. No, that's not it. <laughs> It'll come Double to me eventually. G. It'll come to me eventually. But, you know, I, I was just like, I sense a pattern. You know what I mean? But my point is that no matter Rachel loses, Paige loses, 
you could match up either girl with Beck Rawlings or Pro Gonzalez, and it's still, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's the same numbers just because the name value. I'll, I'll yeah. say quite simply, respectfully, but they have not had more famous people fighting since Polly Malinaji and Artem Lobov. And yes, I will respectfully say Artem Lobov, Jason Knight, that was also just, you know, bananas in terms of the violence level. But my point is that you have a fight where you're just essentially selling the name value of both women. And yes, I will give them credit. They're going to come fight and we're going to talk about that. But I think to me, okay, it's a win-win for bare knuckle, no matter who wins or loses. I want to start. How does this pay-per-view do? Because you're talking about it's only been two weeks since fans paid their hard-earned money to watch Conor McGregor. Can anybody really outperform that, really do big numbers, do good numbers after on a month like this? I think that it's going to be difficult. If Paige Van Zandt had won her debut and done so in a, you know impressive fashion... Like the heart that she was showing at the very end of that fight when she knocked out—I can't remember her opponent's teeth. Like if she had, heart. Yes, thank you. If she had done that from the start, or just for a little bit longer, then you'd have, you know, general interest to see Paige Van Zandt fight Rachelosevich, plus like bigger fight interest to see, hey man, Paige Van Zandt's good. She's a killer in there. Let's see how she does again. So you kind of lost, like I think, half your group there because her performance was not great so they're gonna have to rely on other ways to promote this fight especially coming off of as you say this um you know sort of deficit in the wallet because of conor mcgregor having just fought now the pay-per-view the bkfc pay-per-view is less expensive but not by much it was like 20 bucks cheaper considering you're, you're you're getting respectfully it's still a you know combat sports sideshow I enjoy it, but it's like, you know, it hurts to pay because because it's it's just not as um, built out yet. It, you know, you're not getting your your money's worth in in most fights. In any case, yeah, I think it's gonna hurt, and I think they'll have to come up with other ways to help get the word out. And well, they probably are. I mean, it's it's around the corner here. And there's the UFC connection, right? These guys, ladies are both former UFC fighters. But um, it's really still all on Paige Van Zandt to bring in the eyeballs. So it really just, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough, I guess. I'll just say that. So uh, I want to give them credit. I am fully aware that both of these women have proven that if you build a fan base, you can get fans over a paywall. Like, they both have successful sites that a lot of people subscribe to, and both of them have been very vocal. It's made me a lot of money. My fans have shown up for me with their wallet, and it's changed a lot of things financially. So I acknowledge these two women do have very loyal fan bases. They're very popular. Um, both of them always, you know, conduct themselves well in the media. So, you know, I, I know, yes, I know what Paige Van Zandt said. I certainly am not blind. But I want to acknowledge that, hey, both of these women are doing their thing and making money and they get it. They get the business. It's working. I will say again now, they have the same problem that everyone else does. Would you have paid that top dollar to watch them fight if they were in UFC? Probably not. 
um, you know, the money on the pay-per-view is a lot more than you pay to subscribe to them. Okay, that's another thing. Um, so do I think that uh, they have loyal fan bases who are going to want to know the results? Yes. But I always say a real test of the pay-per-view is do you have an event, do you have a fighter or do you have a fight that at the end of it fans are willing to pay that top dollar i'm aware there's other ways to watch pay-per-views are they willing to pay to make sure hey i'm watching in high def i might have people over i'm making sure that you know my stream or something doesn't go out that's the test of a pay-per-view star and do i think that this fight at this moment with these two women have that I can't say I do 100%. I think they're going to be the talk of the town Friday. They're not going up against a Bellator PFL. Um, People are going to want their fight fixed, so to speak, leading up to TJ and Corey, which we're going to talk about. But I think at the end of the day, that's just it. Is that, um, you know, it's tough in a pay-per-view market. It's especially tough when less than two weeks ago, a lot of people just paid. So... I think that's what it ends about. It's not about who talks about the fight, but people care about who paid to watch it. I think at the end of the day, the dollars may not be the story. It's going to most likely be if they bring it on fight night and people kind of need to go out looking for it after the fact. That's going to be the only way. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Um, Who wins or loses? Uh, Here's the thing. Both of them are better known for grappling anyway. And I watched their first fight earlier today just to make sure I wasn't missing something. Essentially, that entire fight had some aspect of kicking and mostly grappling. So to say, oh, this is a good litmus test for who's going to win a bare-knuckle boxing fight, didn't get too many notes on that. (laughs) What I will say, look, we know how they tend to fight. Rachel is more of a plodding individual. You know, she's never been really the most high-volume, dynamic striker. I don't expect that to change now that the gloves are off. Paige, I will admit, better known for her movement, for her work rate and volume. I do think that's a big key. I think that Rachel Ostovich has to go old school. I think that she's got a, you know, she's stockier. I think she really just has to cut off the ring. She's got to get in Paige's face. And you know what? What I like about this is that, hey, you know what you two look like in your photos that you post all day. I think to win the fight, both of these women are going to have to step into the fire, especially Rachel. Maybe eat a few shots to get inside, work the body, make it ugly. Don't let Paige have the space to move around, use her height and reach. I think that's how Rachel wins. Got to get in her face, make it ugly, pick your spots. But you're going to have to take a few coming in to do that page work rate use your footwork just you're a little bit longer i think you're just faster keep her at the end of punches unlike the fight with britain she just has to throw more punches she has to get going i'm aware she's not wearing gloves i'm saying it anyway you gotta throw more punches i think that's what cost her the fight with britain i think that she can't afford to do that again against rachel and um yeah that's it Oh, Paige Van Zandt for the win. I think that's okay. how it ends up for the reasons I just outlined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm with you for with Paige Van Zandt winning, um, and I think it'll go to decision. Um, I don't expect to see a knockout or a TK or anything. Well, I think the advantage is in Paige's court because 
uh, and that's why I expect her to win because she has that experience already. Uh, Rachel, this is her debut, right? Or am I wrong? Does she already yes. fight? Yeah, okay. debut. I just want to make sure before I go down this avenue here. Um, yeah, you know, Paige Van Zandt was bullied and shocked a little bit by Britton Hart. Like, it's almost like she didn't practice for BKFC, for bare knuckle. Like, she just practiced for boxing. Like, she didn't even, uh, couldn't process the feeling of being hit by bare knuckles. Uh, she was very overwhelmed, and it took her until the very end to to figure out or to get the, the gumption to, to fight, fight, to actually fight, to throw punches, to throw caution to the wind and use her power that she has. I mean, knocking someone's teeth out, that's serious. So she has to remember how she felt at the beginning of the fight and how she felt at the end when she had success at the end and use that, you know, to her advantage because now it's going to be her who's going to be able to put the pressure on Ostevich and Ostevich is going to be the one feeling those shots for the first time. She's usually like bouncy, you know, like a bouncy kind of like movement, footwork, always kind of hopping her head movement. She has head movement, but it's almost like a paint by numbers. It's almost like she's not even thinking about where her head's going. She's just moving it to move it. So I hope to see her with a little more um, focused head movement, actually trying to slip punches and not just going like right, left, right, left, right, left to do it. If she can do that, if she can really, unlike, I think, MMA, boxing, where you want to circle around and pick your shots, in this case, if I'm Paige, I just blitz. I push forward, I punch, 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 body mostly, and then head, and hope to overwhelm Ostevich and uh, and make her be afraid to throw any punches on her end. So that's what I think she should do. She'll probably do something like that and end up getting a decision. I mean, I think we're in accordance. I think um, I will say this. I expect both women to actually impress. I think that there's a lot of criticism that all the people tuning in are going to be hoping for a very different show when you think about Paige and Rachel. And instead, it's like, no, they're going to remind you that these women, they love to fight and they want to actually just bring the violence against each other, you know. In a respectful way, it's a competition, you know, but I do think that they're looking to bring it. So I, I will say I'm look, I'm looking forward to them really sticking it to everybody and saying, no, nah, you know what, we're here for a fight and that's what we do. So I want to like make that my final point. We'll be talking about who won and everything, obviously, next week. But on Saturday, we have the big one. I will say this, Natalie, I think that this is the most anticipated non-title fight on the UFC calendar. In MMA overall, there have been a lot of decent fights, a lot of good matchups, but I really do think that this fight, by far, I'm like, I really think that there's so many angles to break this down. Um, I know we could talk about probably another good hour. I can't. I feel like we may have started our show about the time when it happened, Natalie. So I think that that's a good test of time to talk about it. But obviously the big cloud over this, TJ Dillashaw, you know, we could talk about it another hour. Gets caught for EPO, stripped of his title, easily the most unceremonious ending 
in a long time. I think really I can't. I have a hard time thinking of another one besides John Jones to for of a UFC fighter or any champion losing their belt. And you know what? Look, he served his suspension. He's now coming back. He's said it. Yes, everyone's testing me a lot. Now, really, I know we have a Conor McGregor in this world, but TJ Dillashaw is the notorious going into this. Corey Sanhagen, this guy might be the most dynamic bantamweight out there right now. You know, flying knee knockout, stops Frankie Edgar, spinning back kick, knocks out Marlon Moraes. He was on a great win streak before he lost to Aljamain Sterling. This is a very just exciting fight. Both of them have a lot of skills behind them. There's a little bit of that just, I'll say it, there's that intensity. Like when people say, I'm paying the money because I want to see Floyd Mayweather get put to sleep, look up at the lights, ask where he's at. I do think there's an element to that for people to see TJ Dillashaw on Saturday. So you put all those ingredients together, I do think that you have a very, very exciting, very intriguing fight um, at Bantamweight. Oh boy, yes. Uh, we, great great breakdown there. And I'll just say that um, TJ, he's coming back after two years suspension. He's, what, 35 now? You know, he's always that had that unique style that no one could quite figure out. And now I think his number's up. Like, I, I don't think there's going to be any surprises. We're not going to see uh, any new tricks, you know, uh, coming out of, uh, out of his sleeve, so to speak. I think we're just going to see good old-fashioned TJ Dillashaw, which means that Corey Sanhagen's probably going to do away with him like he did Marlon Moraes and Frankie Edgar. And who did he fight before he lost to Aljamain Sterling? Yeah, Rafael Asuncao. Yeah. So, you know, TJ's the one who's got to prove that he still has something to offer the UFC. He's probably going to get booed on his way in and, you know, whatever, all that extra stuff. And people can think what they want. He's at the apex. There's not going to be as many fans to do that. So we're going to, you're going to hear it even more for the five people that do (laughs) boo. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Um, Okay. So forget about the booze. Social media booze. I, I'm curious to see how the how the uh, internet's going to react to his return uh, yep. when it actually is happening. But in any case, uh, I think Corey ha- Sanhagen's just too special. I think DJ Dillashaw. You know, everyone knows the tricks. Everyone knows his secrets. Everyone knows his movement, his style. You know, the hand on the face, cupping the eye, the eyebrow, that kind of thing. Corey Sanhagen's very special. The length the power, the the sneaky strength, you know, he's like a like whip-like uh, striking. So from my perspective, it's going to be interesting to see TJ Dillashaw back in the cage. I'm looking forward to hearing him do interviews. I just want to hear how he handles them, what he has to say, and what kind of questions he's asked. You know, are people just going to talk about EPO and testing all that stuff or what else can you ask i don't know so i'm curious about more of the background stuff and uh all that in the end though i think Corey sanhagen will defeat tj dillashaw i think he's going to do it in an exciting fashion some kind of wheel kick fly knee type thing and i think it's going to be round three uh tko Corey sanhagen Ooh, okay you know so to break down x's and o's one of the things i will say about tj 
his side to side movement has been, you know, historically one of the best. His uh, look, he, he's got a great ground game. That was one of his strengths. He can mix it up. I think that the real thing about this is that um, one, yes, I will admit it now. I think we're all going to be watching. Does he just look like he's got the same engine behind him that he did when he fought guys like Dominic, like Cody twice, things like that? I will say we we will see. What I will say is assuming we get that TJ Dillashaw, I think the biggest thing is going to be the defense. I think that one thing that Corey has benefited from is that, you know, he seems to almost uh, mesmerize a bit. He got Frankie Edgar early. Muller Marais really didn't know where to go because Corey is so long. I do think that TJ will be ready to move around. I have heard that they used to train together in Colorado. But I think that the real key is going to come down to, can Corey Sanhagen start to catch up to TJ? Or will TJ be able to, let's say, chop away at the legs? Maybe, you know, catch him stationary for a takedown. I think that's going to be the real key. Who actually can get in striking distance of the other? Because I think that if TJ Dillashaw is moving a lot, that may be harder for a guy who's trying to set up some of these more, you know, dynamic things like Corey. He is just a traditional. He's very slick. He knows how to use his height and reach. But once again, I think that that helps when you have a more stationary target. TJ is going to be moving a lot. I do think that the thing that helps Corey Sanhagen, he's not, he's a very competent grappler himself. He hasn't shown it a lot lately, and we're not going to be talking about it because they're going to be showing a bunch of flying knees and spinning back kicks all week. But he does have a very solid pedigree on the ground, too. I think that's the key. If he uses all of his weapons, makes TJ think he's going to grapple, make him think he's going to go for a lot of kicks to the leg, just make this a long fight. I think that that's where he pulls away from it. I think the biggest opportunity for TJ, try to get him down, try to get him to exchange with him in the pocket, try to force uh, Corey to do a dog fight with him. I don't think Corey's going to get lured into that. I think that they know that. So that's where it's really going to be the key for TJ. Can you get a brawl and can you get him down? Corey can chop away at the legs. Can you make him a more stationary target to pick apart? I'm going to be with you. I think that um, I actually expect a more solid TJ than I think um, a lot of people may be expecting. But I think at the end of the day, Corey Sanhagen, he's on that special kind of run. And I think he has all the tools necessary. I think that his height and reach, especially for all the TJ's movement, he's going to catch up to him. And I think that that's just going to be it. I think that Corey's just going to have a debilitating kind of impact on him, and he's going to get that TKO for the win also. All right. When do you think? Do you think it's going to be round three as well? You know you know what? I'm going a, I'm to a say it again. I'm going to go first round TKO Corey Sané again. Okay. That's fast. I like it. That would be amazing for Corey. That would be a great win. So there we have it, Natalie. We are in accordance. We're going with Corey Sanhagen to spoil the return of TJ Dillashaw. And then next week, we've got quite the doubleheader. So I'm going to just say it is going to be one of those nights. Bellator takes the driver's seat. UFC is going to be the one on the little screen. You can only watch one on your TV. Um, AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull. 
you know, the next generation taking on the reigning king. And then you got at middleweight in the UFC, Uriah Hall taking on Sean Strickland. Going to be a lot of, you know, face punching in that one. A lot of good stuff to expect from that stylistically. What are your thoughts as we go into next week? Yeah, this Pitbull AJ McKee fight is is very 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 exciting. Looking forward to finally seeing this this whole saga concluded. And um, I mean, I, you know, I just uh, I think it's going to be a great test for you know Pitbull's legacy. Is he really the best Bellator has to offer, or is McKee really the the great star that they built from the ground up? You know that, that they've been saying he is so. That's going to be great. They're going to be at the forum. You know, it's it's a it's a wonderful return to uh, to MMA for Bellator. And there we have it. At then the it's going to be exciting. We'll be covering all of that. We'll break down both of those main events. We'll recap all of the action from the weekend. And by the way, happy birthday to Nelly Gonzalez. Same last name. Did you see this? The Habib super fan that went viral. Yes, I did see that. From Colombia. Yes, yeah. I could not believe it. I was watching and I'm just like, I legit saw her when I was driving in and I was like, well, that's some commitment. And the next thing you know, it's like, good Lord, she might be more popular than Islam and Misha put together. So <laughs> you know what? Interesting. Happy birthday, 66 years old. I'm very just, I hope I still enjoy this game when I'm that age too. So congratulations and guys we'll be back next week until then enjoy the fights be safe have a good one